You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Scout Fantasy Sports. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am Adam Ronis here for the next hour solo, taking you until 4 p.m. Eastern. You can catch the show live each weekday, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern, or listen on demand anytime you want. Go to your podcast, search Scout Fantasy Sports, hit subscribe, and you'll be notified whenever a new episode is uploaded. You can find all my work, ScoutFantasySports.com. Follow me on Twitter, at Adam Ronis, and on the gram at Aaron88. And there's still time to play fantasy baseball if you want a slow draft uh, in a basically a draft Champions League where you don't have to make any moves. All you do is draft your team, and that's it. There are two Beat Sean Childs leagues uh, in the lobby right now. Play FFWC.com. Uh, seven seats left in an 88 slow draft. Four-hour clock. All you do is draft your team. That's it. No waiver wire moves. No pickups. All you do is set a weekly lineup in the season ends September 1st, so it gives you time to win some money and play with that money for fantasy football in our high stakes leagues championships. A uh, The four-hour uh, MLB 44 just filled, but there's another one there in the lobby that just opened as well. So check it out. Play FFWC.com for the Beat Sean Childs Leagues. Uh, I've done a couple uh, Beat Adam Ronis Leagues. The one... That I'm currently in, I believe, is around 38, so almost done. It's 44-round draft. So, again, uh, still some time to hop in that one. And they they, they go pretty quickly. Uh, the, the ones I've been in, they've done a pretty good job. We've had a delay here or there. But remember, auto-pick is your friend, especially if you know you're going to be away from the clock for a while. The clock does shut off overnight, uh, but after that, it's four hours. So you can check that out. And if you want access to my rankings, you can go to scoutfantasysports.com, enter the promo code BATS50, get 50% off your first two months. I was the number two ranker, according to Fantasy Pros last year, for draft accuracy rankings that just came out. So if you want access to those rankings, they are there on the site. And I uh, was a lot higher on many players, which probably propelled me to that number two spot, including Blake Trinan, Trevor Bauer, Matt Chapman, and Charlie Morton among the ones that stood out to me. Uh, but uh, you, you can get those rankings, and I update them in real time. Added a bunch to the list today, so hopefully they will be updated uh, with the extra players sometime today, I hope. Uh, you can also get a bold call from Sean Childs, his early round bust. It is posted there today. He also has a couple articles on different strategies in addition to all the detailed team outlooks for the upcoming season. My preseason pro picks are out. My sleepers bust and stash and cash for each league, an offensive player and a pitcher as well. So there's plenty of content. I also take a look at a lot of players changing teams. What does it mean for their fantasy value? And a lot more articles to come over the next two weeks, taking you up into the last minute of your fantasy baseball drafts, big drafts weekends this week and next week as well with the season beginning March 20th in Japan. A's and Mariners out there for two games. And then most of the other teams open Thursday, March 28th. So we are getting closer to the start of the season. And the best way to dominate this upcoming season is ScoutFantasySports.com. So check out our draft kit. You can go there and see for yourself all the articles that are posted. And you're going to be like, damn, this is sick. And you'll become a member and we'll take you throughout the season. It also, it's not only baseball, it covers everything that's on the site too. So 
Uh, it will also get you the football articles and anything else that's posted with a membership. ScoutDFS.com, we got you covered for golf, NBA, NHL, and, of course, MLB coming up as well, including optimizers and Slack chat leading up to lineup lock to make those critical decisions. And VegasWhispers.com for your sports betting needs. So plenty of content that we have you covered here uh, for sure. We'll have Todd Zola of Masters Ball coming up in the next segment. He was a participant in the Labor Ale auction over the weekend. So we'll talk to him about his strategy, did it work, and about some of the players he drafted and why he was in on many of them. So that's coming up, and we'll get you a look at NBA DFS in the final segment. But wanted to talk a little bit more about this Tout Wars draft. I know we talked about it in the first hour a little bit, but just wanted to go in a little bit more in depth. Uh, so to give you background on this, this is a 15-team league, 5x5 five five Roto with on-base percentage instead of average. And I've been in this league now. This will be my sixth year, I believe, in the league. And uh, won it in my second and third year. In the last two years, Rudy Gamble of Rasball was the winner. Uh, but I've done very well pretty much each year. Top five every single season that I've played in this. Last year, I was second. Uh, tough loss. Uh, because I scored 121 points in a 15-team league. That is usually good enough to win. If you do category targets before the year and you you get to 121, you're like, oh, I got this in the bag. This is easy. But uh, Rudy's a hell of a player, and uh, we've been going back and forth. He had 124, so I was tied for first going into the final weekend of the season on that Friday, but just didn't have enough in that weekend to pull it off. So hopefully this year I can get it done and go for my third in five years. And if you see this draft board, it's a little bit different because you have to understand that it's on base percentage. And Bryce Harper went fourth overall in this. And I see there's been a little bit of a, a criticism on Twitter about the Bryce Harper pick. And uh, I don't understand it. I mean, this is probably where Bryce Harper should go. He's 26 years old. We know he's going to a better ballpark in Philadelphia. And the one thing with Harper that you're not sure about is average. It's been all over the place. Since 2014, he's been at 273, 330, 243, 319, and 249. So there's a wide range of outcomes there, and a lot of it is kind of tied to the batting average and balls in play. So if you're in a roto league and you know you don't feel good about taking him in the top 10, I understand because you're just not sure where the average is going to be. Uh, there's been some injuries here or there, but he's played at least 153 games or 100, at least 147, three of the last four years. So, yeah, this is a missed time, but it hasn't been significant anymore. The stolen bases, too, have kind of been up and down. He's been at 21-4 when he played 111 games and 13 last year. So he can contribute in the category, even if you project him for 10 to 12. Still, you're getting something. The counting stats are going to be excellent. But the biggest thing is, with the OBP, we know what the OBP is probably going to be. It's going to be good, and it can be elite. He's 388 for his career. Even last year, where you would say, eh, not a great year, 393, 413 in 2017. So there's a high OBP floor for him. And the ceiling, I mean, he was 460 in 2015, if you can get back to that. But it's a really good lineup, excellent park, which helps and increases for left-handed power a little bit. So... I have no problem with that Harper pick there. You saw Aaron Judge go six, and that's another guy that gets a boost in OVP. So I don't think you want to change a lot of guys drastically. There are cases where a, you know guys move up several rounds. 
Uh, but in this case, you know, it, it's justified here. Aaron Judge, another guy that great OBP, 398 career mark. Uh, he was at 392 last year and over 400 two years ago at 422. So he walks a ton, 16.7% career walk rate. And another guy, too, that can contribute some steals. He had six and 112 last year, nine and 155. So, yes, Judge should move up in this format as well. So you have to take that into account when you're looking at OBP. But, again, one of the big lessons from this draft, and, you know, I think people get tired of me saying it, is everyone wants to plan out the draft. I get so many questions on the message boards. Okay, these are my keepers. Who should I take in rounds one, two, and three? Oh, I have the third pick. I'm going to start with this guy. Who should I take in round two and three? And it's hard to tell you. We can go by ADP, but in some drafts, you don't know what's going to be thrown your way. There are going to be teams that surprise you. You know, not everything goes according to the ADP. And it also depends on your league format, what software you play on. Because I don't care what anyone says. People get influenced by the ADP on the software you're using. It's a big difference drafting on ESPN, Yahoo, NFBC. People get influenced by that ADP unless they have played in other formats and they don't care and they go by their ranking. But I am telling you, if someone sees someone in a queue at 120 as the ADP, they're not going to take them in the fourth to fifth round. But yet that player, maybe in the high-stakes format, is going in the fourth, fifth round. So they feel like, wow, he's buried in the queue. I can wait. So you don't know what's going to happen in a draft. And the prime example of that is what happened to me yesterday in Tower Wars. Because if you would have asked me yesterday during this show, what are the percent chances that Francisco Lindor falls to me at 29? I would have probably said 7%, 8%. I wouldn't have thought it would have happened. It wasn't in my plan. Francisco Lindor is a guy that's been going late first round, early second round. He had, you know, he's fallen, obviously. He was a guy that was going third, fourth overall before the calf injury happened. And in my great fantasy baseball invitational, he went 13th overall. We, we talked with Clay Link. You could check that out on demand about that. I think we spoke to him last week. Uh, we've had him on a couple times, and he won the overall championship last year. And he mentioned he wanted Aaron Judge, but I took Judge at 12. He went with Lindor at 13. So with Lindor, we know we don't even know if he's going to miss opening day. There's a chance he could be ready. But even if he's not, and he misses a week, two weeks, yes, April, a little concerning there in Cleveland. It can be very cold, especially the night games. And calf injuries can be tricky. We saw Josh Donaldson the last two years deal with it. But Lindor is a little bit younger. He already has been fielding ground balls. He's been hitting in the cage. So when Lindor fell to me at 29, I couldn't pass that up. I mean, is there a risk? Sure. But there's still a chance that he doesn't miss much time. And a guy that's capable of contributing in all five categories. And even if the speed declines a little bit because he doesn't run as much early in the season, I'm okay with it because I have... Mookie Betts, who I know I'm going to get stolen bases from, and even if Lindor only hit ten to 15, uh, got 10 to 15, I'm okay with it as long as he's healthy and productive most of the years. So I had no clue that Lindor was going to fall to me, and this is why you've got to be prepared for anything that is thrown your way in a draft, and you can't just sit there and pencil out every pick because you don't know what's going to be thrown your way. And especially as we get closer to the start of the season, 
and players' values change because regardless of what anyone says, people move players up and down their draft board based on news, based on the spring. You might not do it, but people do, and it's going to you're going to see a change. You can look at this draft board and see another one in two weeks, and you'll see the shift in player values for whatever the reason is. So I was able to get Lindor at pick 29. I wanted Trevor Bauer. That I figured I was going to get one pitcher here because I knew if I passed, then you know I wouldn't like what's there in rounds four or five, and I felt like there was a little bit of a drop-off in the pitching, especially with Luis Severino uh, having that injury, and he would fall. So I wanted Bauer, but I could have passed the Blindor. Rudy took Bauer and Soto, and I came back with Carrasco. You know, Carrasco's pitched at least 183 in two-thirds innings, three of the last four years, at least 216 strikeouts, three of the last four years. Pretty good whip, so he's a pretty stable pitcher, and I still think, you know, that ERA, he's got a shot of having ERA under three. It hasn't happened in the last two years, but he has that ability. Uh, we mentioned Luis Severino, and I was surprised that uh, he went at pick 42. Uh, I thought he would have fallen a little bit further, uh, but he went to Tom Kesnick there at the end of round three or close to the end of round three, and I probably would have had to let him slip further. Again, the news was encouraging yesterday, considering that it could have been a lot worse. It was only inflammation with the shoulder after the MRI, and he'll be shut down for two weeks. So, you know, this is a pick where... If he comes back mid-April and he's fine and he pitches all year, we'll look back and say, okay, you know, it worked out. I don't know if it's a value because that's generally the area where he's going. He didn't fall too much. He might have fell five to seven picks, but certainly not someone I was going to take uh, in that spot. Uh, you know, I, I took Yasuo Puig in round four, and I know some people might say it's kind of early for Puig, but as I mentioned, you know, there wasn't much on the draft board there that really stood out to me. And I do like Puig. I think Puig has a lot of ability, and he mentioned how he really hasn't worked hard when he was with the Dodgers, which is a little concerning. It's not something you want to hear out of a player, but there's money on the line now. And I don't look at contract years because we've seen many players flop in contract years, but I think for Puig, I think it matters, and he is out here in a year where he wants to prove himself. You know, I considered Eugenio Suarez, who I do like. Uh, but, you know, Puig, I, people consider him a disappointment just because we saw what he did in his rookie year, and he kind of has not lived up to it. But he had 28 home runs, 15 steals two years ago. Last year in 125 games, he had 23 home runs, 15 steals. You know, he got a little banked up, but also he wasn't playing every day. Even when he was scorching hot towards the end of the year, we didn't see him in the lineup. And a lot of the times he was hitting at the bottom of the lineup, too. I really like what the Reds have done with this offense here in the offseason. It's a great home ballpark. Uh, one of the best for home runs, and Puig should move up in the order of hit in the middle, middle of the lineup. So another guy that's going to contribute some home runs and steals. And I think that's the thing here. I always talk about trying to spread out your stolen bases and don't overpay for him. And I think I was able to do that here. You know, your bets can get 25 to 30. Lindor is a wild card because of health, but it could be 10 to 15. It could be 20. Puig can get me 15. Rosario can get me 8 to 10. Uh Domingo Santana can get like 15. Austin Meadows can get 15 to 20. Adamas can get 15 to 20. So kind of spread it out there, and it will keep you competitive in the category. Now, obviously, there are some other teams that loaded up on stolen bases, but those teams could also make trades. You know, you look at Tim McLeod at 14, Alberto Mondesi, Victor Robles, Jose Peraza, Garrett Hampson. It's a lot of speed there, but also in Cedric Mullins later on. So he clearly focused on speed. Might be 
a little light on power with some of those guys, but you had Stanton, also uh, Michael Conforto, Devers. So there's different ways to go about it, but that's clearly someone that was very conscious of getting the stolen bases early, as you see with Robles in round four. So there's different ways to attack it. But as I mentioned, you know, I'm just not going to take the Malik Smith, the Billy Hamilton guys, uh, especially in an OBP format where these guys are not great hitters and they're relying on their stolen bases. Can it work? Yes. It's all about roster construction and how your team comes together. Like uh, OBP in this format, like Joey Gallo is really good. I want Joey Gallo. He was about two picks away from me in round six. That was the guy I was going to take. He has first base and outfield eligibility, and he's a guy that can hit 40 home runs. And yes, in the average leagues, he hurts you a little bit more, but not as much in the OBP format. So we'll touch upon this draft a little bit more in the next couple days. But when we return, I'm going to be joined by Todd Zola, MastersBall.com. He took part in the AL Labor Auction over the weekend. We'll talk about his team. That is ahead right here. Scout Fantasy Sports on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Yo. Back here at his Scout Fantasy Sports. Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern. Don't forget, check us out. ScoutFantasySports.com for our fantasy baseball draft kit. Up today, Sean Child's early round bust. My preseason pro picks with sleepers, bust, and stash and cash players. So check it out now. ScoutFantasySports.com. I'm joined now by Todd Zola of MastersBall.com. He participated in the AL Labor Auction Draft this weekend out in Arizona. Todd, how are you doing today? Well, um, this is the first time I'm talking in a while, so I guess I have my voice back. What happened, man? You got back from the <laughs> warm weather, and now all of a sudden uh, you're on the East Coast, and you came back into a uh, a cold uh, freeze again. Oh uh, man! Well, I I, I, I did the I, I was the auctioneer for NL, and my voice started cracking. I was doing my Peter Brady impression, and uh, I think I was starting to come down with a cold. And it's not optimal to try to sleep off a cold on a red eye. So um, just get a bit of a head cold. All right. Well, I appreciate you for joining us. Uh, we could have we could have moved you to the week, but I appreciate you joining us, and we'll try and uh, make this as smooth as possible. For uh, we're good. Here. We're good. All right. Well, what what is your plan? What was your plan in this auction going in? Everyone has a different setup. I've seen people who put players down with money values and say, "Okay, I want one of these three in this thirty dollars slot." Others kind of just go with the flow and see what the values are. Uh, what was your plan of attack going into this auction? Yeah, I do. I do put money's per money per slots, but I don't. I don't dedicate a particular player or even position. It's just uh, what I do is I, I I compare my slots to the tiers, such that if I've got a thirty dollars slot and I see there's no thirty dollars players left, I know I need to take that thirty dollars slot and make it into a twenty, and take that ten dollars and distribute it to two other slots. So it's more of a bookkeeping than strategy for me, and you know, going hand in hand with the tiers. So, in this particular auction, I want to know what these star pitchers are going for, and that because I, I knew I, in a deep league like this, I like to buy at bats, which generally means you can't go in the AL for the Trouts and the best bets 
if you want to try to leave with 14 players with or letting, forgetting the catchers, 12 players with at least platoon 400 type of plate appearances. And you just it's hard to do that going for the star. So I usually play the middle game with the hitting. And the pitching was playing by ear. And the pitching prices were actually pretty high. At least I felt so. I thought the hitting, I was worried. I thought the hitting was pretty much normal, which makes playing the middle harder. But it seemed to come through at the end. Yeah, and you didn't really spend a, a lot on one particular player. I think it looks like $25 was the highest yeah. you went. Was that uh, the plan going in or just kind of the way it worked out as you read the room and saw what the prices were going for and it just happened to pan out that way? Yeah, I think I had a $35 maximum hitting line. And like I said, it was kind of a risk because there's some players that came in and I felt a good number at that line. But just it didn't feel as though I'd be able to fill out the at bats just with 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 spending that much on a, on a particular player. So I kind of just took that line and made it thirty, then took that line and made it twenty five, and just kept bringing it down. But the other, so it's it's I'm pretty I'm pretty known for playing the middle game. No one will ever look at a team in that nature, and, and nothing nothing pops. But if you you know you you look a little bit closer. And yeah, he's, I don't have any minor leaguers. I don't have any, you know. Uh, I don't use like the word scrubs. I don't, you know, I don't have any reserves. So it, the, in, this, in a league like this, in a mixed league, it's a little different story. Everybody's going to play, but in the AL, you, know, you don't recognize the fact that, you know. But on the other hand, I may not. I may be, maybe it's bad that I don't have. I didn't take a shot at a minor leaguer because, especially with these labor rules, are a little bit different. They're kind of old school, and I can't. I can't just take guys off my reserve instead of slumping player. He's in your lineup, either that or you have to drop him. So maybe I, maybe I made a mistake by not giving myself the option to uh, put in a, an injured player to start so I could keep streaming in my reserves, because you can stream reserves. You can't just, you can't downright, if you drafted him, he's going to be in your lineup or released. Talking to Todd Zola, MastersBall.com, as we are discussing his AL Labor auction draft from the weekend. I actually think you did a really good job here because, like you said, nothing's flashy, but we all know at-bats, getting playing time is very important. I think you did a good job. One player I want to talk to you about because no one's – I haven't really heard anyone talk about it. I haven't even talked about him yet, but I was having a conversation with someone today about Elvis Andrews. You got him for 17 bucks, and this is a guy who's coming off a disappointing year with some injuries. Mm -hmm. Just two years ago, he was 20 homers, 25 stolen bases, 297. Now, obviously, the power kind of came out of nowhere in a year where everyone was hitting home runs. But this is a guy slotted to hit third in the order. I think shortstop, especially in mixed leagues, is a pretty deep position this year. Maybe yeah. that's why he's got pushed down. But uh, just give me your thoughts here on Andrews for the year, and are, are people overlooking him a little bit right now? Yeah, I think you, you got to hit on it. Shortstop, it's remember the golden age of shortstops was A-Rod, Jeter, and Nomar. Not anymore. Those, that's nothing compared to what we got going on now. And I think you know Elvis Andrews just isn't sexy anymore. He 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 once once was when he was a little bit younger, but now he's just another guy. And I think he's another guy that's going to bounce back. He seems to run a little more when the team is playing a little better. And you know you'd like to think these guys just play their best all the time, but it's kind of like, you know, it's a, stealing, you got to be motivated, you know, you got to, you got to want to run. And I think we're going to see a little bit more of that. Not that Texas is going to do all that great, but I do think offensively they'll do all right. And they're just, it's just their pitching. Although, you know, they're throwing darts at the pitching staff. We'll see what happens. But I definitely think there's a, re a rebound candidate. 
You said you mentioned hitting third. It's at the top of the order still going to be pretty good. It's still one of the best hitting environments in the league. So I was willing to accept that discount, and I, I, I got him in a few mixed leagues too. When people chasing shortstops, so I think he's a nice. It's interesting that you know I, floor ceiling little cliche, but he to me now is a nice floor player. Michael Brantley moves to Houston, and health was one of the things that held him back the last couple of, not last year, but 2016 and 17. But he played 143 games last year. Obviously, he's a guy that contributes in the average category, which is huge when you get this amount of at-bats if he can stay healthy in that Houston lineup. And you got him for $19. Uh, I think, is Brantley someone that is also a little undervalued, or you think that's about his right price? I think it's a little undervalued. It's, it's hard to say just because, the, you know, it's an injury that was the shoulder. Now, he had, I forget, he had one injury after the shoulder, but it was the shoulder that was the big issue, keeping him out for all that time. And Houston's pretty good about, they've got, you know, they're pretty deep, so they're not going to, he's not going to play 155 games. If he plays 143, it's probably because he missed a weekend and, and got some regular off days here and there like he did, you know, like, like he did last year. So I like that. And he's a, I kind of mentioned that, a little nervous about playing the middle game. I, I, Brantley was sort of the guy that I knew I'd end up spending on my mind. I got Brantley under, I think it was low 20s, but because it, you know, I got up for 19, I knew at that point that I'd be able to fill in all my lines without having to chase the guy just to fill in the line. So if he had gone to 22, 23, 24, I probably wouldn't have purchased them, and I may have had a little bit of money left over or been forced to use it, you know, go two or three bucks over on several players. So he was kind of a a key acquisition undervalued that kept me on pace. Jackie Bradley, you also got in your outfield for $16, and we've seen some pop. We've seen some speed from him. Is there another level in Bradley? Did you see anything last year that led you to believe that maybe he could surpass the numbers he's put up the last couple years? Yeah, I think there is another level. Whether we see it manifest or not, I don't know. He can run. I mean, it's all opportunity. His, his, his stolen base success rate is excellent, so it's just a matter of opportunity. And he showed you know, a bit of a, a, bit of a, a change in approach in the second half. And I, you know, living in Boston, you, know, you, you may or may not know a little bit more about some of the hometown players just as you see more reports and happen to watch the games. But they do talk about how Jackie is. Jackie, like I know him, how Bradley Jr. is working with some of the some of the staff, et cetera, doing some film work. So whether it's narrative or coach speak or whatever, I am. I'm not chasing him, but if I get him at the number, I do think there's upside in both power and speed. And as you know, the, the, once these guys start exhibiting more skills, they start moving up in the order. So when you're hitting seventh, eighth, and ninth, there's there's upside. Double upside, right? You, you get better and you move up in the order. So it's kind of he can get kind of a double, a double dinger uh, improvement if he if he you know hit up the moving the sixth or something like that. Who knows? So he's he's definitely a guy that I'm looking at. You spent twenty five dollars on Blake Trine, and I had him in a lot of leagues last year, and it was a sick season. I mean, I didn't expect that dominance. <laughs> it, it was fun to own. Twenty five dollars here was. Part of your plan to get uh, Trinan or a top closer, or it just worked out that you felt at the time that you were bidding that it was the right call? Yeah, here, I, I, at this point, I knew I wasn't going to get a starter, and I, I like a good closer in an AL or NL only league. Mixed league, we'll talk middle, middle tier. And then only league, give me a really good closer because they really help ratios, and all you need is a half closer just to compete in the middle of pack and, and go from there, make a trade and saves, et cetera. So, 
There are some people, and when they say this, they're correct, in that it may have been a mistake to buy the first closer trying it at 25 because Asuna went for 20, and I forget, the, uh, was Brad it Brad Hand, Hand went for yeah, 19. 20. Hand so, went for 20, and Chapman yeah. 19. So I'm not, what do you thought Chapman? Brad Hand, now if you, you know, in a vacuum, if I'm shadow drafting, would I rather have Brad Hand at 20 than Blake Trenton at 25? Yes. But I, you know, I did not know what was going to happen. I'm not upset that I got Trinan. I knew I, at that point, I knew I had him. I knew how much it spent. I knew what I need, you know, how much budget I have left, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Would I have liked Asuna and, and, uh, Hand to go for 22 or 3 and slot a little bit higher up? Yeah, I would have. But, you know, it, whether it was that a mistake, therefore, I, I don't know if it's a mistake. I just think it, it didn't work out. Usually, Lord, now the funny thing, I kind of made a stupid joke, but once you, once you, you know, buy Blake, break Blake Trinan, you know, when you when you throw out and you nominate players, you're not supposed to nominate all the good closers to make sure they go for high prices, but there just weren't any, which I think kind of feeds into the fact that I was willing to pay for the one that I perceived to be the best, and we'll go from there. Because the, the key, and you know, people said, you know, you just paid a lot for saves. No, I paid a lot for ratios, and I'm not going to have a nice pitcher, so that's going to help a lot. Joined by Todd Zola from MastersBall.com, talking about his AL labor draft. Trevor May for $10. I think he'll be the closer. I don't know if he'll be named the closer. (laughs) He obviously, last year, uh, we saw a glimpse of him coming back from injury, and it was pretty good. Is this uh, the timing of when he's thrown out? Do you think there's uh, a good chance he's going to be the closer? Uh, What do you think happens there at the back end of the bullpen? And I guess you're hoping Craig Kimbrell doesn't sign there. Yeah, well, I, yeah, the dumb joke I made was I just guarantee that Kimber would by getting Trevor May. Now, I, to me, is May a $10 pitcher if he's not getting saves? No, probably not. He's probably a 5 or $6 pitcher. But the ratios are good and they're good strikeouts. And if he's not closing, he's probably getting a few more innings. So you know, I, I, I'm not upset that I ha- if he doesn't close, it's not, like, it's not like I wasted 10 bucks. I probably wasted $5, which you, you can get away with. But I do think there's a pretty good chance that if he doesn't close right away, or if he does, I, that, that he'll get some saves. So he'll be the the half closer, if nothing else. I know there's a lot of other names, but one of them was Fernando Romero, who I picked up in reserve. It's just it's kind of a long shot, but I figured at that point I couldn't, I didn't back him up with Taylor Rogers or or someone like that. So I figured, you know, let's let's take let's take a shot at Romero to see if something weird happens, and he ends up being the closer, but. Yeah, I'm not. He's a guy I want on my staff anyway. In in in, a, in an AL only, you need a a couple of decent middle relievers. So, kind of dual purpose. Andrew Heaney for fifteen bucks. Obviously, we heard recently he had some elbow mm. inflammation, but it looks like he is not going to miss right. much time, and he could be back on track. So maybe, maybe people were hesitant a bit. But I think if you ask a lot of people last year, how many innings did Andrew Heaney throw? They're probably be like, oh, 150, He threw 180. So, 180. Yeah, so talk about Heaney because that's a guy I do like to, obviously a little concerned with the elbow, but it uh, doesn't look to be that serious. Yeah, 180 is a magic number for me in that it, it, not, not, you know, usually, I used to be, my follow-up used to be next year or this year he's going to get 200. Not going to go there anymore, but throwing 180, you know, what's that, 30 starts at six innings. That's pretty, pretty darn good in today's day and age. So that's, I care almost as much about any pitch as anything else, uh, unless you're Mark Burley, just because if you're, you know, you're not going to throw that many innings if you're not very good. A little concerned about the injury, but I, I, you know, 
I think just with Twitter and so much information out there, pitchers like Luis Severino have been getting hurt for the past, I don't know, 100 years. You know, it's just that we know more about it and we're so aware of it and, and fantasy and everything else. So I think sometimes we get a little too overcautious. Pitchers you know, get hurt or, you know, have a little strain all the time in the spring. We're just so more aware of it in today's environment. So I think there's a little bit of jumping overboard. And I think Heaney may have had a little bit of that, but he is my de facto ace. And if I, I couldn't have gone much higher, but I, I wanted the innings in. I like the division, and I like the 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 the, the, the parks. It's it's no it's not so much secret. It's no surprise it was it was by plan that I got a lot of AL West pitchers. Cedric Mullins, uh, someone you got for fifteen bucks. I've taken him in a couple draft champions leagues as well. I think the casual player might be like, "Who the hell is this?" So give them a little outlook for Cedric Mullins of the Orioles. Yeah, some people, you know, you chased Mullins. No, no, I didn't. I didn't. I had him. I had him at nineteen. I, you know, when I say nineteen, you, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, that's the static number. It's it's projections are off and valuation is flawed. So it's it's a range, but you still have a number you look at and kind of go from there. He a switch hitter. He he's better from the left side, which is a good thing because that's you know you're going to face more right-handed pitching. In that park, he's got the uh, the pop from the left side to go deep. He can run. It's kind of weird. He had several seasons with an excellent stolen base percentage, but a couple in there in the minors where it wasn't so good. But, I mean, he's got it. And you look at the triples, you know he's got speed. Uh, if you, if you, people curious, go to the, the StatCast page. The scouting report is very favorable. I mean, he's not going to be a 380 OBP guy, but he's going to be the OBP is going to be good enough. And quite frankly, they got nobody else. You know, I mean, it's risky to have a, a kid who was, what, two for 33 last September, playing mid-teens for him. Uh, they got nobody else right now. It's, you know, he's going to get a really, really long look. And, you know, $15, you know, in an, in an AL-only league, you know, that's, that's what, 12 homers and 19 steals and a batting average doesn't hurt. And I think he's very capable of doing that. So Baltimore's not going to score runs as many, but he's going to hit at the top of their order. And I kind of didn't, you know, we didn't talk speed, but I didn't go after anyone, any one guy to get steals. I haven't spread around. And he's one of the guys that, you know, looking for double-digit steals to help me get the total that I need. Well, Todd, I think you did a nice job here. Like you said, not flashy, but you got at-bats. I mean, yeah, you don't have an elite pitcher, but you got a top closer, maybe two closers. I like Trevor Cahill at three, Chirinos at three. I think they did a really good job here. Obviously, no one has a dominant team. Real quickly before we let you go, what do you think you need to improve on to compete? Um, I, I think I, I need to work the and I need you know the pitching. I'm a little surprised that Yarbrough and Cherados went for a total of eight because to me in an AL only they're, they're starters. They should be treated as starters, and they weren't. So, all right, that is Todd Zola. Todd, I will see you at Tout Wars next week. Absolutely. A little bit of coughing here. I won't be coughing by then. Looking forward to it, Adam. Yes, hope you feel better. And again, Thanks. find Todd Zola, mastersball.com. When we return, we'll wrap it up taking a look at the night in the NBA here on Scout Fantasy Sports. 
From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ron is here until 4 p.m. Eastern. And we've got you covered on the FNTSY Sports Radio Network with live programming from 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern every weekday. Coming up next from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m., it's Game Time Decisions with Gabe Morency and Cam Stewart. At 7 p.m., it's NBA Takeaways with Chris Welsh and Scott Bogman. At 7.30 p.m., it's the FNTSY News Desk with Dan Strafford. From 8 p.m. to 11 p.m., it's Calling the Shots with Keith Irizarry. And tomorrow morning, bright and early, it's Make It Rain with Joe Ranieri and Dane Martinez from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. From 9 a.m. to 12 p.m., it's The Morning After with Gabe Morency and Joe Ranieri. From 12 p.m. to 2 p.m., it's the Fantasy BFFs with Greg Sussman and Frank Stanfill and Doc and I. We'll be right back here with you on the FNTSY Sports Radio Network tomorrow from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern. And don't forget, check out scoutfantasysports.com. Telling you guys, you want to win in fantasy baseball, this is the place to be. Obviously, I've had a lot of good success in my leagues and was number two in the fantasy pros rankings for the 2018 season for draft accuracy. So you can get my rankings as part of our fantasy baseball draft kit. Sean Childs is an NFBC Hall of Famer, one of the top high-stakes players around. He has his bold call alert for an early-round bust. Draft strategies, my preseason pro picks are up. Sleepers bust for pitching, offense, and stashing cash. So you can get access to all of that and a lot more to come. On ScoutFantasySports.com, use the promo code BATS50. Get 50% off your first two months. Let's take a look at the night in the NBA tonight. Decent-sized schedule. It kicks off at 7 p.m. Eastern. Minnesota is at Detroit. Minnesota had a win yesterday beating the Thunder, so back-to-back on the road for them. Luol Deng is out for the Timberwolves. They played well yesterday. Uh, Jeff Teague, I think, is in play. Uh, he played well yesterday and should play 30-plus minutes again tonight, and he's pretty cheap. 53 on DK, 63 on FanDuel. Not a core play, but I do think you can use him. Carl Anthony Towns has been crushing it. He's 10-8 on DK, 11-5 on FanDuel, so he is expensive. So uh, you have to decide whether you want to put your money there tonight. I do think there are some you know, pretty good centers on the slate. Uh, so I think you use him in tournaments. Uh, it's not the best matchup, and it's on the road. But in tournaments, you know, he'll probably be low-owned, and we've seen just a huge upside over the last few games. For Detroit, I mean, it's usually the same story. It's Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond. Now, obviously, pricing is different on the sites. Drummond's 9 on DK, 10 on FanDuel. Griffin is 8-5 on FanDuel, 8-6 on DK. So uh, the Pistons have played well. I think they're 8-2 and two in their last 10. And, uh, you know, they have a pretty good matchup here tonight. Minnesota has not been good defensively. So uh, the Wolves really struggle against forwards uh, lately uh, as Dario Saric has been in the starting lineup and he's not a good defender. So Blake has the better matchup here tonight. So I think Blake is the option between him and Drummond. Reggie Jackson has been playing well lately, but we have seen the minutes dip a little bit. I, I hardly use him. And I think tonight's slate, I don't think you have to have to, 
Uh, he's 5'4 in DK, 58 on FanDuel. Dallas is in Washington tonight, Washington tonight to take on the Wizards. Uh, low total here. Oh, no, it's 231.5, obviously, because the Wizards have been scoring. Vegas spread is 6.5. Wizards are favored. Dallas, you know, Luka Doncic always in play in tournaments, 91 in DK, 93 on Vandal. Dwight Powell is a guy I've been using a lot. He's been playing very well. I played well against the Nets the other day when I used him. And, you know, his price is still pretty cheap. And he's been playing, you know, mid-30s minutes. And this is a good matchup. So Dwight Powell, once again, is in play. 59 on DK, 68 on FanDuel. Uh, that's about it on the Dallas side. I know Dirk Nowitzki, maybe on DraftKings, he's 3,300. I almost used him the other night against the Nets. And I didn't. Obviously, it wasn't a big game. But he's playing, you know, 23, 24 minutes so if he gets hot, and it's a good matchup here against uh, Washington, 3,300 on DK, 41 on FanDuel. Could always be the pump play, too, on FanDuel uh, as long as he's starting. For the Wizards, Bradley Beal always in play. He's 9-8 on DK, 10-5 on FanDuel uh, as he's uh, obviously carried this team here. So I've uh, been using him quite a bit. And, you know, I think because of where he's priced, he doesn't always get high-owned. Uh, but he's been putting up the numbers, and it's a really good matchup. Also for the Wizards, Bobby Portis more of a, a tournament play. Six on DK, 67 on Fandle just because he's always capable of blowing up. And he should get around 30 minutes. And obviously the Mavs struggle against big men. So he's got a lot of upside uh, in this one. And uh, I mean, this is a good matchup for Sadoransky, but not someone that I've used in quite some time. He's 52 on DK, 59 on Fandle, but... Uh, it is a pretty good matchup for him if you want to go in that tier of point guards. The Heat are in Charlotte to take on the Hornets. The game is at 7 p.m. Eastern. The Hornets favored by three, and the total is 217. Goran Dragic has been ruled out, obviously. Uh, this is a big spot, uh, game for the Eastern Conference playoffs as uh, the teams are tied for the final spot in the Eastern Conference. Dwayne Wade's been playing well. And it's not a back-to-back. -back. You don't have to worry about minutes. He's 55 on DK, 63 on Fandle. So I think he played like 31 minutes the last game. So he's right been around there. And Goran Dragic is out. So Wade is definitely in play. And uh, I'm going to uh, – I'll probably have some exposure to him. Uh, Justice Winslow obviously benefits here without Goran Dragic out. And he's been inconsistent. But 63 on DK, 69 on Fandle. He's certainly in play. And – uh, looks like with Whiteside back, I know he came off the bench last game, but uh, it, you don't know how many minutes he's going to play. Same thing with uh, Bam Adebayo now and Kelly Olynyk. You know those guys were playing very well with Whiteside out, but, but the minutes uh, are questionable. So I guess you can consider them in tournaments, but I think we have enough options on this slate that you don't have to go there uh, tonight in this matchup. For the Hornets, we know they play better at home. They have not been playing great lately. I think Kemba Walker is more of a tournament play. 83 on DK, 93 on Fandle. He's always capable of blowing up, and he can play big minutes, especially since this is a big game for them. So tournaments, I think you could use him. Uh, I've talked about Nicholas Batum a couple times over the last couple weeks, a player that I haven't used most of the year, but he's played very well lately. The price has risen a little bit, 53 on DK, 64 on Fandle. So I think he's in play. And it's amazing. So Jeremy Lamb has been coming off the bench and actually been really good. He's probably been better. And the thing about that is he's low-owned. I used him last week on Yahoo, and he did not have ownership, or maybe it was earlier in the week. I don't 
I think it was last week. I didn't think I, I don't think I used him in the Brooklyn game uh, earlier this week, but he's been playing, you know, close to mid thirties minutes off the bench. And, you know, when people see guys coming off the bench, they kind of shy away. So lamb, especially on DK at 52, I think's in play 68 on FanDuel as well. Cause I don't think he'll get high ownership uh, because he's coming off the bench. So if you want to, Really save some money. Uh, Frank Kaminsky has been playing mid-20s minutes off the bench. I think it's a risk, but again, he's close to uh, the min salary there on both sides. 37 on Fandle, so that could always be a potential pump play. 32 on DK if you want to go that route and uh, try and pile up and get some other guys. Spurs are in Atlanta to take on the Hawks, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. The Hawks have been really competitive lately. Uh, Spurs favored by 6.5. 234.5 is the total. Uh, Poletti is out for the Spurs. He was recently put in the starting lineup. Uh, he's going to be out. So with him out, that definitely puts Rudy Gay into play. He's been coming off the bench. My guess is he'll probably start. He's 6,000 on DK, 65 on Fandle. So in a matchup here against the Hawks, I think you got to like it. Derek White is someone who I used last game, and he came through and played well. He's 54 on DK, 67 on Fandle. So a couple good games, and it's a great matchup here against the Hawks, who have uh, not been great. So... Uh, White is definitely in play tonight. And, of course, DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge in this matchup both are in play. Uh, and uh, Atlanta's just been a team that's been giving up a lot. So Spurs are projected to score a lot of points tonight. Uh, they've been playing better, and it's a big game for them uh, as they're battling for a playoff spot in the Western Conference. DeRozan's 8-2 on DK, 9 on Fandle. Aldridge, 76 on DK, 82 on Fandle for the Hawks. Uh, John Collins been dealing with an illness. He is probable. Dwayne Dedman is doubtful for the Hawks. So Hawks have been not playing for anything, but they've been playing well. Uh, Collins, if he's back, probably in play in tournaments. He's seven on DK, eight on FanDuel. Trey Young's price has gone up, but he's been crushing lately. So he's actually making a push for the rookie of the year. I think everyone thought it was Luka Doncic had sewed it up, but I think Trey Young, he is in play. Um, don't love Young tonight. Uh, he will not be one of my primary targets, but I think obviously if you play multiple tournaments, his ceiling is so huge that you could uh, get him in play. It looks like Torian Prince should be back. He missed a couple games with uh, personal issues, so that clouds up the rest of the forward situation. And if Deadman is out, I think we can go to Alex Lund. I know he was bad chalk the other night, but... You know, it was one game, and he's 45 on DK, 41 on FanDuel. So he could play the mid-20s and still produce. So I think if uh, Deadman is out, uh, Len is in play in tournaments tonight. Uh, and he could be lower owned because he burned a lot of people the other night. I did use him as well. I think he was 11 on Yahoo. Cleveland at Brooklyn tonight, 7.30 p.m. Nets favored by 8.5. Vegas totals 225. Tristan Thompson remains out. Anti Zizek is out as well. For the Cavaliers, no one I love. My favorite play is probably Seti Osman here. He's been playing very well lately. And, um, you know, Kevin Love, obviously the minutes have been there. But uh, Osman is uh, someone that I think usually is low-owned. 55 on DK, 61 on FanDuel. So I like him. Love has played 28 minutes or more in three straight, and he's been productive. It's a really good matchup against the Nets. We know we talk about continuously we like to play our bigs against the Nets, but he is pretty expensive, 75 on DK, 83 on FanDuel. So you can consider him. It would be great if he got to 30 minutes, and maybe with Zizek out, that will happen as well. 
So those would be the two that I look at on the Cleveland side. I guess Jordan Clarkson's always in play for tournaments, 5-3 and DK5 on FanDuel. For the Nets, I mean, we've kind of been seeing the same thing the last two weeks. They've been getting real healthy, and they have a deep rotation right now. And the only guy that I would look at is D'Angelo Russell. So it's a 10-game slate, and any of these guys are capable of producing, but we just don't know the minutes distribution and who it's going to be. So D'Angelo Russell is the only guy that I'm looking at, and I'm probably not going to use him. 79 on DK, 91 on FanDuel. So uh, pretty much the Nets are a team that I've uh, just not used much right now. Philly is in Chicago to take on the Bulls. Uh, Sixers favored by five. 227 is the total. Joel Embiid is still out. Boban is still out. Jonah Bolden looks like he's going to play tonight. Philly are playing a back-to-back. They beat the Magic last night at home. Tobias Harris, one of my favorite plays, mentioned him yesterday. Again, 77 on DK, 8 on FanDuel. He's played very well since coming over to Philly, even when Embiid was on the court, and obviously gets a big boost without Embiid. Uh, Simmons is definitely in play tonight. He's definitely produced some big games uh, lately. Uh, 8-9 on DK, 99 on FanDuel. J.J. Redick uh, had a great game last night. He's 49 on DK, so get the three-point bonus there. So that helps. He's 57 on FanDuel. Jimmy Butler, I don't know if he's healthy or not. So uh, he has not looked great, so I'm not rolling with him tonight. Uh, But Simmons and Tobias Harris is one of my favorite plays on the slate is Tobias. The Bulls have actually been playing pretty good lately. They've been competitive. Laurie Markkinen has been excellent. Uh, 8,000 on DK, 88 on Fandle. So I think you consider him on in tournaments. And Robin Lopez, no one plays him. He's been very, very good. And uh, he's someone that I think you can get low on tonight. Uh, he is uh, 5,000 on DK, 57 on Fandle. So you can take a look at him. And uh, Zach Levine always in play in tournaments too. 75 on DK, 8 on Fandle. Because he's always capable of uh, having a big game. But Markkinen... In Lopez are my two favorite on the Bulls tonight. Utah is in New Orleans to take on the Pelicans. Man, Utah lost to the Pelicans a couple nights ago. I was stunned by that. Pelicans have been playing well with everything that's been going on. The Anthony Davis distraction. They have played very competitive basketball. Utah's favored by 4.5. Vegas totals 230.5. Raul Nito is out. Dante Exum is out. So the Jazz had the lead the last game and blew it. Uh, Rudy Gobert, I like the price. Uh, Yahoo, I think he's 34, 81 on DK. I mean, he had a big game last time out against this front court. So definitely looking at him tonight, especially on DK. Uh, really like that price. Fandle, he's a little bit more expensive, 10 2. Uh, definitely on DK, get him in. Uh, the other centers are more high priced, and they might be more owned. I like Gobert in this spot tonight. Donovan Mitchell, 87 on DK, 91 on FanDuel. Joe Ingles, too, has been playing well. 59 on DK, 62 on FanDuel. So a couple of good spots here uh, for the uh, Jazz tonight. On the Pelican side, uh, Jaleel Okafor is questionable. Uh, I think Julius Randle has been crushing. He's in play, 84 on DK, 95 on FanDuel. Anthony Davis is 67 on DK. Look, it's intriguing. Even if he plays 22 minutes, I mean, he could score 40, 45 points. So I think that price is where you start to think about him. More expensive on FanDuel at 8000 I wouldn't play him there. But you got to think about Davis. He's going to be low-owned, and he easily can put up big numbers tonight. The Knicks are in Phoenix to take on the Suns. Uh, the Suns are favored in this game by Four now. I saw three earlier today. Vegas totals 224.5. The 
But the Knicks, DeAndre Jordan is going to return and start. Again, with the Knicks, really hard to play anyone with their minutes distribution. Alonzo Trier has been very good lately, but he can play 15 minutes tonight. For the Suns, DeAndre Ayton is in a good spot, but I think he gets a little bit hurt now with DeAndre Jordan starting. Tyler Johnson, I think, is in play 52 on DK54 and FanDuel, as well as Kelly Oubre. The Celtics are in Sacramento. The Celtics just crushed Golden State last night. A lot of turmoil with them, and they came out and showed something. They're favored by two in Sacramento. Vegas totals 228.5 for the uh, Celtics. I mean, Gordon Hayward looked great last night. He's 39 on DK at 45 on FanDuel. I know it seems like chasing a little bit, but he looked really good last night. And this is a good matchup, and he's very cheap. So I would consider this. The problem is I think he's going to be high-owned. People will see the price and what he did last night. As always with the Celtics, I think Kyrie Irving and Al Horford are always in play in tournaments. Irving's 93 on DK, 94 on Fandle, and Al Horford's 64 on DK, 71 on Fandle. So I think you could look at those guys in tournaments. And uh, on the Kings side, I like uh, Buddy Heald in tournaments tonight, 72 on DK, 8 on Fandle. Bogdanovic, he's 57 on DK, 65 on Fandle. I never play Harrison Barnes. I probably should have the other night. I almost did. I mean, he is cheap, 52 on DK, 6,000 on FanDuel uh, for them. Tough matchup here for De'Aaron Fox tonight. So don't love anyone here on this team tonight, uh, but I think uh, Bogdanovic and Heald are my two favorite plays. Denver's and Lakers at L.A. to take on the Lakers, and uh, the Vegas total on this game is 227.5. Denver's favored by 5.5. Lakers obviously playing for their season here tonight. Well, they're pretty much done. Nikola Jokic always in play in tournaments. Uh, good matchup here for a lot of guys. Jamal Murray is someone I like tonight against the Lakers. 62 on DK, 7 on FanDuel. And for the Lakers, uh, I think Rajon Rondo, LeBron James are definitely in play. We don't know if Brandon Ingram is going to play. He's questionable. Uh, Javon McGee will continue to start, and he's cheap as well. So Rondo and LeBron are definitely the top plays here. That wraps it up. I'll be back tomorrow with Dr. Roto, 2 p.m. Eastern here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.